The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As spiritual seekers, we often receive guidance on which path to follow. This might be necessary for some time, but as we move along, we need to trust our heart and become our own guide. Welcome to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us, a place where we can listen to everyone's heart. Your companion on the journey is Jill Asselin. Come join us now on this path of inner exploration. Here is your host, Jill Asselin. Good evening, everyone. Uh, this is Jill. I'm in France these days, so I would say bonsoir to all of you, or good afternoon, bonjour. <laughs> and um, this is sort of a, a special broadcast. I've been in France for about two weeks now. Um, a lot of things have happened, and yet I've been kind of questioning uh, at least about a week ago uh, the meaning for me being here. It's a trip that I planned quite some time ago, not in details, but I wanted to go to the south of France first and see what the Cathar land is all about. You know, this um, place uh, southeast of Toulouse that I mentioned in my shows quite a few times. I had some very deep roots out there and I wanted to go see for myself and see some people and meet some people that I lived with a long time ago. And... Um, I came back to the closer to Paris to see my brother and to stay with my brother about a week ago. And what was very interesting about this timing of shows during the past two to three weeks, um, I had uh, Lyndon Thorpe as a guest two weeks ago. And then I was planning to do a show um, from here, from France last week. And then I have Lyndon, uh, the second uh, portion of Lyndon's um, interview being broadcast this week and it was something very mystical happened um, I think there was a sign for me but uh, last week my brother had a plan on the day I was supposed to record the show and he didn't tell me ahead of time so in a sense I had to reschedule everything and um, then we traveled for the next two or three days so I couldn't do a show on my own uh, last week and instead, I asked uh, the studio to play um, the recording with Lyndon, the second portion. So we had two Lyndon's um, interviews or talking about searching for our true nature, which is definitely a very good um, introduction, if you will, but a very good um, appetizer uh, for what I've been doing in the past um, two weeks with a, a very special focus Again, coming back to, at the same time, the place where I may have lived, you know, some seven, eight hundred years ago, and the place where I was born, um, not so long ago, maybe 50 plus years. So it's a lot of, um, a lot of meaning into that. And interestingly enough, um, 
a week ago when I came back from the Qatar country, uh, I stayed there for about four to five days. I get met met some very interesting people. Uh, the person who was apparently my daughter at the time. I don't want to say much about this today. I think it's too it's too fresh. Um, the seed, in a sense, has been uh, has been planted. So about a week ago, I was still in the in the, in the um, how would you call that the, the mind frame of uh, the frame of mind of of asking you know what is it that I came to this Qatar land because in the end I didn't feel much and I was maybe I was looking for way too many signs um, I was looking for you know a strong impression a strong imprint. Uh, went up to the top of uh, Montségur. I mentioned Montségur also quite a few times in my show. Um, the besieged uh, castle that fell to the French troops and um, papal troops, troops of the Pope, in March of 1244. And I went up there with my, my friend, my daughter, and um, it was quite, quite meaningful, uh, beautiful view, uh, very special time. But yet, at a deeper level, um, I couldn't feel much. It felt like the, something was, you know, possibly blocked. And I, again, I started questioning myself. And you know, the way one would, I guess, you know, I come here for a purpose, for a reason. And uh, on the surface, I seem to be getting so little. And um, you know, why is this? And then, interestingly, I was sharing that with my, my friend Lyndon, who has been on the show for two weeks, so the timing again is just just fine. And uh, she said that at this point, let things, you know, let things simmer. You've done what you're supposed to do. I mean, let the, let the healing take shape, I guess. It's part of what I was there. I believe there are still souls out there trapped uh, from what I understand from local people, um, the souls that were trapped on the field where the pyre was set um, on March 16, 2012, 12, I'm sorry, uh, 1244, all those souls uh, apparently there were uh, left to go wherever they're supposed to go, to ascend, if you will. But there may be some souls still trapped um, atop the castle. I guess many people perished there in the battles. Uh, some of them as well committed suicide. They didn't want to face the end of Montségur and, uh, and the fact of uh, burning on the pyre. And so I went there with that, you know, that purpose in mind to, uh, to help, uh, to help the land, to help the people who lived out there. I had learned not so long before that about uh, what is called the pillar of resurrection. And that's what just uh, what I just mentioned—the idea of you know helping those souls that have been trapped in the land uh, for so long to finally reach out to where they're supposed to go—and it's a very um, call it strange process. I'm not sure I understand it fully, but I think it's—I feel I have um, some sort of responsibility here. Again, that's my reason for. Reconnecting with the land, reconnecting with the place, uh, reconnecting with the people who lived out there and still live there. I mean, many people are coming back these days, and um, so that's 
the frame of mind with which I came back to the Paris area about a week ago. And again, I couldn't make sense of what had happened. And then Lyndon said, you know, stop asking the question. And um, why did you come here? You know, who knows? Uh, let, the, let the seed that you planted, let it, let it get nourishment, let it get it fertilizers. And um, let it happen, let it bloom on its own. It's not going to happen within a week or within, you know, a few months. Honestly, I think something is really taking shape, but I can't quite... Um, I can't quite see it. And the only thing I can say or I can do is to send out, you know, to send out light and to send out love for the things that are meant to be or meant to happen to to take shape. And once it's very interesting when I started uh, asking that question, I think that question started um coming in about a week ago, 6 7 days ago. Then I got the inspiration for this week's um theme which is standing in our true power. And, um, and the picture that I shows initially on my, on my Facebook invitation was about the two of us. I was with uh, my friend standing on top of um, Mont Segur, on top of the main um, fortress wall, uh, which is, by the way, forbidden to, to climb. But I was there, and we had a a very unique um, view of the castle, of the inside of the castle, what is left of the castle, but also of the surrounding area. And when I looked at the picture uh, that I chose, I don't know, it felt like something was really standing and, and I was planting something into the, into the wall in that case, into the stone. But that's the image that came to mind. And um, that's the reason why I think I chose this theme, because it suddenly became meaningful to me, standing in our true power. And I will say a bit more in the next um, few minutes about this. I got um, a story about uh, what is called a tragic misconception about the story of an Arabian horse. I, I may have mentioned it earlier on. But it came back to me, and I think it came back to me three or four days ago, not just by accident. It's about, it's about us feeling, you know, the, the path, what happens to us. Um, obviously, trying to understand the signs and um, heeding the call. And that's what I've been trying to do. But I guess, again, I think it's a bit too too fresh to... To start taking shape, there's still um, there's still nourishment that needs to be provided. Uh, nourishment, maybe water, maybe love and light, like I said. So I will let it. I will let it simmer. I will let it um, rest in a sense, and I will. Um, I believe I will see in the next few months, in the next few weeks. Um, the effect of what has happened uh, in the Cathar land when I traveled there for these four or five days. And um, I also feel like it's, I guess, it, it, I'm really sharing about my own spelunking tonight, I guess. It's uh, really what I want. And um, at the same time, you could certainly reflect on your own and what is meaningful in your life. Um, 
in terms of where you see your path going and trying to find some landmarks. I think it's very, um, it's very hard. It's very um, difficult, you know, to move forward when you don't have a clear sense of what's happening and where you're going. And I, I still don't. It's not I was going to the Qatar country to get a, a clear sign about what was supposed to happen next. But I think that um, in the past three or four months, including this trip to France, I was able to do what I was supposed to. And I think our move from the east coast of the U.S. to the west coast, you know, uh, putting ourselves in a different uh, energetic uh, space or place. And this trip to France, in a sense, I completed uh, the launching, if you will, the launching of um, of the new Gilles Asselin, if you want. And I think it's um, it's my sense. It's my sense, and I will um, I will see what happens when I get home, and see um, see what tickles me. Um, as I said, like planting my stick in the wall or planting my stick in the ground, that's the image that came in terms of uh, standing in our true power. And um, this is also, as I said, an invitation to action. And I haven't been doing much in terms of, of real work, you know, trying to reach out to the whole world be, besides this show, which is certainly very um, meaningful and important for what I'm supposed to do. But when I, I wanted to mention something because, um, you know, at some level I'm still searching for, for signs. And there's one thing that really intrigued me when I got to this Cathar land. We visited a couple churches. Uh, the first one was in a place that I also mentioned early on called Rennes-le-Château. It's a very strange, very mystical place. Um, I will not get into the detail. But um, it's a very, uh, again, um, intriguing, intriguing place. And um, lots of signs. I started reading a book about um, the place, you know, about um, three, four weeks ago. Many people have written about the mysteries, about the signs you see in the church, about the Abbe Saunier, the priests that uh, did so many um, renovations in the church and apparently was led by some other group, I guess. There's a lot of things uh, going on. But I'm not so much interested in this. Uh, I believe that this priest was acting on the behalf of someone else, but that's... And the reason he became, you know, wealthy or rich doesn't really bother me. I mean, it's um, it's the way it is. I think it's good for tourism now, for sure. But what really um, intrigued me is in the church, there's many statues of saints. And uh, the church is dedicated to Marie Magdalene. And as you would think, there's a statue of her. And what really... I wouldn't say bothered me, but almost bothered me, is that um, by the foot, um, the left foot of Marie Magdalene, there's a skull. A skull, and the skull is facing us, when you look at the, the statue. 
And I was, you know, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a skull like this in, in a church. And I was told that the skull in this context might be a symbol of the occult, of the esoteric. Uh, I'm not sure if I can put uh, two and two together, the, the skull and the religious and the sacred. I could, but possibly not in a church. And I know that this one is a very special church. And um, it's a very, a bit of an original um, church, if you will. And um, so I noticed that. And the next day we went to another place, a small village called Esperanza. We had a very nice meal out there. And uh, we went into the church as well. It's a very strange building when you look from the outside because it says that more or less it belongs to the Republic. But when you go into the church, it feels like a real uh, spacious church and very well lit. And again, there was um, some sort of a monument on the way out to the right with candles and, and possibly a painting above. And at the bottom, encrusted into the whatever it was, like a, a trunk or something, there was a skull. So in three days, going into two different churches, I saw a skull. And uh, this last church didn't seem to be such, you know, a mystical slash original slash out-of-the-norm church. And that's what really stayed with me, you know, for the duration of that trip. And then I come back to Paris. Um, I haven't been to many churches except except for today. This morning I um, took a trip to Paris, which is about 50 miles north of where I stay. And I wanted to see a church uh, in the sixth sixth arrondissement of Paris, the sixth district. It's a church called Saint Sulpice, S-U-L-P-I-C. Obviously, it was a saint. And it's a very large church built, I don't know when, uh, 13th, 14th century. And in this church, there's a special, um, they call it a chapel, but it's not a real chapel but where you have a, a, a mass, a service. It's more like an alcove. And there's about, I mean, on each side of the church, there's about um, five or six different uh, alcoves. And within that alcoves, there's, you know, paintings, paintings. Um, Confession booths as well, <laughs> I must say. But it, it's decorated according to the, the theme of the booth, usually, which is dedicated to one saint. And the reason I went to this um, church specifically was to witness some paintings by a, a famous French painter called um, Delacroix. Um, he has three paintings in one of the alcoves. Um, I think it's to the right when you come into the church. And interestingly, I missed it. I missed the alcove. And the reason I missed it is was because it was all covered. They were starting to do renovation. And there was a lot of scaffolding. And I couldn't, I couldn't see it. And um, the alcove is called the alcove of the saints. Les Saint-Ange. Saint Angels. And there's three paintings by Delacroix in this alcove uh, that are supposed to be some sort of um, some sort of a message, some sort of a code. 
And I read about it in the context of Rennes Le Chateau. So I wanted, I'm saying, uh, uh, since I'm in Paris today, I might as well, um, I might as well um, take a look. And it's interesting because I went around the church. I missed the first alcove, and then I went into a, a place where they're selling postcards and books. And I asked the person about, you know, what's going on with the Delacroix thing and uh, and the paintings. And she said, you know, it's under renovation. You won't be able to see a thing, and it's going to last for at least uh, five to six months. So I said, fine, and um, I still wanted to get a, a souvenir of the, of the painting, so I bought a couple of postcards. And then I went around, and I was called by one uh, of the alcove called Jean-Baptiste, John the Baptist. It wasn't so much the apostle, uh, John the Baptist, but uh, a more recent uh, person, uh, a priest, um, who led the church in the 17th century, I believe. And I read, uh, there was a plaque with his um, story about um, what he did. I think he led the church for about 10 years, but uh, he, he led the church into some sort of revival with catechism, um, reaching out to the public, uh, increasing the number of, um, of members and, and parishioners coming to the church. And he was very much revered for what he did. And that's the reason he had a statue. And you could see a statue above, somewhere high up, uh, maybe, um, I don't know, three, four meters up. And you could see his face. He was, he was looking up, and there was something, someone, someone above looking down at him. And what I noticed, I couldn't miss it, is to the left, there was a symbol of death. And... Um, this, this time it wasn't so much of a skull. It was the full picture of death. The way I learned about it was for the Tarot of Marseille. There's a card. Uh, it's, the card is called the card with no name, but it's the card of death. And death is pictured as a, a skeleton standing up and holding a, a seath, S-C-Y-T-H-E. And in that card... Um, death as a person is cutting is cutting whatever the grass or the wheat, but you can you can see that it's very short at the bottom. It's uh, death has done a very good job, and uh, pretty much the same um, the same picture, the same statue appeared in the church in this alcove of John the Baptist, and I was struck. The memory of the card came back to me right away, and um, I was I was very intrigued, you know. And that's when I started to make the connection with the skulls that I saw the week before, or ten days ago, in in the Cathar land. And um, and then I go to the Louvre, which wasn't so far. I wanted to see a painting still in relation with uh, Rennes Le Chateau, a painting about. Um, the shepherds of um, Arcadia. It's something I mentioned as well. Lots of codes and, and, and meanings to this painting. I wanted to see it for myself, and I wanted to see it in color. And the interesting thing um, that I noticed is um, there's an inscription, uh, a sentence uh, engraved into the, the tomb, uh, three shepherds and a woman are looking at a tomb. 
And there's a famous inscription which says, et in Arcadia, ego, which means the, the verb is missing. So, and in Arcadia, I am. And I was struck by the way there was a little summary about or explanation about the, the painting and the way the Louvre or the people behind the Louvre um, explained that sentence at in Arcadia ego it said even in Arcadia I death exist and again you know it's too too good to be missed in a sense so many signs about death and Finally, also, when I looked around different exhibits at the Louvre, I saw a beautiful, um, I must call it a skeleton. This one wasn't holding a Sith, um, but it was a, a skeleton or a statue, if you will, that was uh, part of a cemetery that got destroyed during the revolution. And then, for whatever reason, or I don't know how, but the, the statue was... Um, was saved and was brought to the Louvre in 1866 or something like this. And the name of that statue is called La Mort Sainte Innocent, Death Saint Innocent, which is, you know, very much about, to me, it's very much about the same message. And I was reminded at the same time this evening when I came back and I started to, to look at the, I downloaded the pictures, looked at them. And I remember the words of um, one of my spiritual guides, Master Joal. It was on August 8th, um, this month. We were still very much in between, between um, still between different parts of the land, uh, having driven to the West Coast, but not being settled yet. And um, the image he gave me is like, your old self is dying. Your old uh, East Coast self is dying and um, I think I would agree with that um, that I left uh, quite a few things behind I suddenly left my professional self behind but um, again it's it's uh, like a sort of a subterranean um, unconscious process a lot of things are happening and I don't or we don't realize it it's something which takes place within. It's like the seed I mentioned at the beginning of, of this show, that something is being planted. In this case, something was transplanted from the east to the west um, for a purpose. And I've been, I've been asking often also, back in the west, you know, what is it the reason that we moved so suddenly? We had somehow prepared for the move, but... You know, what is dying and what does, what part of me wants to be reborn, in what shape and for what purpose? And um, in a sense, to put a, a cherry on the cake, I was again this evening um, looking at old documents and what that came about or came out was... Um, what about the tarots of Marseille that I mentioned on November 26, 2013? I drew some cards, and um, two of these cards, I think the first one was the chariot, the cart. The second one was the world, and the third one was the card with no name. 
death, if you will. And I'm looking at it now. Again, it looks like a skeleton standing up and using the scythe to cut whatever needs to be cut. And obviously, it's not a, it's not a physical death. It's more of something dying within. It's more of something um, that no longer serves, including some of my beliefs that needs to be um, left behind. And I was reading a bit about the description that goes along with uh, La Mort, death. And uh, it has a lot to do with the process. If I may read a bit about what's happening, it was coming from Quebec, so it was in French uh, initially, but with this card, the consultant or the, the person who draws the card can expect a very radical change of his or her situation. First, he is being asked to die to himself, which means to become the spectator, the observer of his own acting. To look back, facing the events, or looking back at the events that he it, that it cannot um, fully master. Because fate, that's the word fatalité in French, is unavoidable. A transformation, a full transformation is, of the situation is needed. This will bring a, a renewal, an unexpected renewal, which um, will make sense according to destiny with capital D. And the card again is about transformation, renewal, and rebirth. And I was, I was kind of intrigued and amused because in terms of what's happening at home, it says this card signifies not so much death in itself, but change. And at home it can mean a move or a new departure. And as a summary, um, it says death uh, signifies or indicates the end of a cycle. It fosters renewal and metamorphosis. To accept change with all the fears that come with it is in the end uh, beneficial. And that's what I wanted to, to share. It's a very fresh realization. I'm... I'm I'm starting to put together the pieces of the puzzle of what's, uh, what's brewing, uh, what's um, happening for me in France. And it's, um, it's, um, it's quite interesting. And so I will, uh, I will leave you with these thoughts. I guess they are purely my thoughts. They are purely my, my, uh, my path. But I thought... Um, I wanted to share them with you because they are, I'm in the midst, the midst uh, of them. It's really my, my very fresh, my very uh, recent um, reflection, if you will. And I thought it was um, very important for me to express them and to share them uh, with you. So thank you very much for, for listening and being there tonight.
This is the Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jeal Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again. This is Jill. Um, Thank you very much for listening to this episode, um, Standing in Our True Power. And I'm again um, speaking from France, which is, um, I would say, unusual for me. So I share a bit about my own uh, my own path, my own realization, um, especially following those signs. It's almost like um, it's almost like the little red ride of Robin Hood, um, you know, collecting the pebbles that leads to uh, a grandma's place. And um, it's interesting to me that I was asking for those signs earlier on uh, about my visit to the Cathar country. And when I was there, maybe I didn't get, I, for sure I didn't get what I was expecting. And, um, but again, it was like maybe the beginning of, of something else. Um, a new departure, just like the, the death card of the tarot says. A new departure, some sort of renewal. A lot of things have happened to, to me and to us. I'm talking about our, our family here this year. And um, it's a year of transition. It's uh, in numerology. It's I'm in year number one. There's a series of nine, from obviously one to nine, and then you get to ten, which is one in uh, if you add one plus zero. So in a sense, you start every nine years. You you may start a depending on how you look at it, but you may start a new cycle. And some cycles, I think, are more clearly visible or clearly understandable than, than others. Uh, nine years ago, I don't think I was really in the midst of a, a real transformation. I was maybe just on my way. But this year, definitely 2015, is much more meaningful in terms of, of preparing for what comes next and preparing, uh, preparing inwardly because obviously I don't know, I don't know what, 
you know, what will happen. And I think it's, um, it's a bit mind-boggling at times. I think it's, it's what happened I will, I will share. You know, I've been sharing for, since the beginning of the year, obviously, about my path. And um, it's not always um, clear. You know, it's not always easy to, to keep walking. And um, especially we live in a world which is very much, uh, as we call it, 3D, you know, third dimension. There's a lot of people that um, are only concerned by their day-to-day living, which is fine, I guess. I'm not saying anything against that. But I I found lately um, that's, I don't know, possibly for because of where I am now, but it's even more difficult for me to, in English you would say to reconcile, in French you would say to concilier, so just to concile both worlds in a sense, the, the 3D, the day-to-day living, which is oftentimes material, and uh, the spiritual, when you see your path and your life expanding, and this is not always reciprocated, um, or you're not always on the same wavelength as the people around you. And I had this um, experience today. I was having lunch with a friend of mine. Uh, We are both CPAs from long, long ago in France, uh, French CPAs. And we kept in touch. I mean, we have, you know, good vibes. And um, he and his family came to New York twice in a row, last year and the year before, and we met. And uh, we lived in Africa. It was a very meaningful time also for me, like 32 or 33 years ago. And so there's a connection. It's, it's, a, it's a friend's connection. But um, I cannot talk about the spiritual um, with him. Um, because to him, you know, what matters first and foremost is, you know, what's going to happen materially speaking. You know, how are you buying a house? Uh, what kind of work are you doing? And I told him, you know, um, I'm hosting a radio show every week for an hour. You feel free to listen. And to him, you know, it, it doesn't bring any money, so you can't even call this work. And if I call this, uh, you know, preparatory phase, or if I call this, you know, inner work, is not going to buy into it. And, um, and that's, again, fine. But I'm sharing my, my feeling at this time that to me it's like, you know, you're being écartelé, you'd say in French, and that you're trying to spread or you're being split into different pieces and you have your own um, spiritual responsibility in a sense. And on the other hand, you know, you need to put bread on the table. You need to take care of your family. You need to take care of your aging parents, which is my case. I haven't talked about my mother, uh, which I've, I've seen here. And so I think at times, you know, it's, um, it's a bit challenging. And that's really when we need more encouragement, when we need to, I don't know, meditate, um, I do a bit of meditation here, but um, it's not very long. It's maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes in the morning and, and some in the evening as well. And um, 
there's not much you know coming out. There are times where I'm much more inspired or you know willing to sit to sit and listen. And it's not like there's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of thoughts, as usual, going through my mind. But um, when I'm in meditation, I'm able to to calm them down, to calm them down. But I'm not in a phase of my life when I, I get a lot of insight and inspiration. Again, it may be a preparatory phase. And um, I have to go along with it. There's just no no other way. But I agree that sometimes it might feel a little um, a little challenging. Um, I have some spiritual friends also uh, that I can reach out to. But um, clearly, I realize that my path is my path, and it's not anyone else's paths. And when people come to me and want to share about their path, I'm more than willing to listen. And the people I talk to, the spiritual folks I talk to, just do about the same. But um, sometimes it just feels a little more arduous. It's like it's a bit more difficult to put one foot in front of the other, if you see what I mean. And it's, um, it's possibly a phase where I'm climbing up. So I'm not able yet to enjoy the view. And yet, there's, again, small things, small signs. I'm also looking into, uh, in some, sometime in the future, I'm looking at possibly working with uh, men on the opening to the divine feminine. Uh, two people mentioned that to me. And I'm... I'm not too sure exactly what it's all about. I understand the notion uh, more intellectually than anything else. But what is it? very interesting, one of my spiritual friends, when I mentioned that to her, she lives in Sweden, and her name is Birgitta. She may be listening tonight. So I would say, hello, Birgitta. She understood very well what I was talking about. You know, strengthening, achieving some balance within someone, possibly men more than women, uh, the balance of the feminine and the masculine. When I was talking to Lyndon also the other day about the same topic, uh, she said it's very much needed. And um, she said there's many, you know, women all along the centuries that have been abused by men, by men's domination. And it's not a question, again, of, um, how would I put that? It's not a question of regretting or looking back at what happened. I think it's much more a question of inner transformation again. And it's um, a question of, uh, you know, how can you, I can feel what needs to happen. But it's much more difficult to describe it with words. It's an inner process um, of merging the masculine and feminine within. And I think to some extent everyone needs to do this, men or women. And sometimes we may need more of the feminine ingredient or sometimes more of the masculine ingredient. But um, it's, you know, it's a path. 
it's a path. It's um, it's almost like an experiment also that we need to to encounter. And what really amazed me in the past couple of days, um, I mentioned Birgitta. Uh, I haven't lost her. When I mentioned that to her, she pointed out to me some work by a woman called uh, Margaret uh, Starbird. I believe it's Starbird or Bird Star. Starbird, I believe. And until now, I haven't looked at who she is. I believe she had uh, books on uh, Amazon that I would be able to find. And uh, what I found very intriguing, and maybe again it's a question of links and and, um, chain, you know, uh, linking me to something else. But um, after my trip to the Cathar land, I was invited to a new group that talks a lot about the land. Uh, it's mostly it's led by a British um, fellow uh, called Richard, Richard Stanley. He lives in Montségur. We met briefly. We went to his place uh, for a few minutes. He wasn't expecting us. He was expecting us the next day. And then a friend of his came, um, an Irish friend. And she was bringing a, bring, uh, she was bringing a group of uh, tourists uh, that wanted to go up to the top of Montségur. And so we also went to Montségur that afternoon on Wednesday. And Richard, the Irish uh, fellow, and the group went up as well. So we met up uh, at the top of Montségur. And this uh, gentleman um, is hosting a group on, on Facebook called Terra Umbra, U-M-B-R-A. And I made some very interesting um, encounters there. First, learning more about the history of the land and learning about the history of Esclarmonde of Foix. How he calls her now Esclarmonda. It's like a... Now, N-A is like um, not a title, but a, a sign of respect, if you will, for Esclarmonda, who is a... Also associated with uh, La Dame Blanche, the white, the white lady who is taking care of the land. And through this group, Terra Umbra, I was looking at the membership. And guess, guess what? I came across the picture on the name of uh, Margaret Starbird. Which, you know, again, it's too good to be true, too good to pass. And uh, from there, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, two days ago. And I worked into... Um, Amazon to see um, what kind of books she writes and what kind of work she does. And you got it. She, she has a book about, uh, especially for women, which I found very interesting, uh, women's circle and trying to assimilate or integrate that feminine energy coming from uh, Marie Magdalene. And I thought it was very, um, you know, very... Mystical in a sense, the way I got to this person when I was, I had put her somehow on the back burner. Uh, I will take care of that at some point. Uh, it's something I may be interested in, but, um, and, and I reflected on that and I also tried to befriend uh, Margaret. She hasn't responded yet, but again, you know, there's signs like this and um, I will certainly, um, Look into the books in, in more in more spend more time in looking to the books that she wrote. Um, I didn't bring them up uh, for the show tonight, but I will certainly look into that, and I may share some about uh, this next weeks in the 
in the first day's show. But it's something I wanted to share as well because, as we say in French, the fil en aiguille, you know, from one place you go to another and eventually you go where you're supposed to go. And I think that's what the, that's where the path is leading us. And um, this is a very small sign, but it may be just like a thread I'm pulling out of the yarn, in a sense. And it could be something very meaningful. It could be a sign that, you know, it's time for me to start investigating and looking into this, you know, more concretely into how to bring more feminine energy into this world. I believe that it's... Um, it's what the world needs now. We entered the age of Aquarius uh, some time ago. We still have some influence from the pieces, but uh, we're definitely moving forward into um, into a more golden age. And um, it's really what I wanted to share with you because it's also where I see myself going. And... Um, Again, I need to to step and stand in my true power. And I hope you will be able to, to do the same whenever you're called to do it, to doing it. Um, it's not like it's happening, you know, overnight. But um, it's, really, um, it's really a life path. It's, I think it's... It's important to, to pay attention in the first place and to be curious. I think I mentioned this, this quality of um, spiritual curiosity. I think it's, um, it's a very important asset and, um, on the path. And so to share a little, um, a little story, I mentioned earlier on this... Um, this tragic misconception. And I wanted to read to you um, the story of an Arabian horse. It's taken from The Adventures of the Quest by Richard and Mary Alice Jafola. Again, it's something that I came across not so long ago. And it's coming back up, in a sense, to the surface of my being, to be part of my visible... Um, environment I would say and um, the parable is very is very lovely so it goes in a desert land of Arabian horses an orphan foal was raised by a family of camels as the young colt grew he did everything the camels did he plodded tirelessly across the hot sands he tottered large burdens of cargo on his back, and he watered his parched mouth at every oasis. Once he kicked up his heels in a sudden impulse to run, but then only swayed at a lumbering pace, because that's the way camels are supposed to run, aren't they? After many years of camel life, the Arabian steed grew old and tired. One day, as his weary eyes looked across a sea of land, he saw a magnificent horse galloping at full speed, like the wind. 
his shiny mane streaming out from his noble head. What a beautiful animal, exclaimed the elderly often. What is it? That's an Arabian horse, fastest and most beautiful of all the animals in our land, answered one of the camels. Wouldn't it be wonderful to run like that, mused the old horse. horse. But he put it out of his mind and died thinking he was a camel. And there's a byline saying, first the tragedy of forgetting who we are. And I think it's, it's a very nice parable that says a lot. Perhaps, you know, it's the little encouragement I was talking about earlier on that we need along the path when things are not moving. It's not that they are not moving fast enough, but they are not meaningful enough to give us insights, to give us signs that there's a way. There's a way and there's a, a will for us to go. And um, it made me think also about the, it's all about our conditioning in society, you know. Again, if you talk to people like my friend I had lunch with today, you will get, you know, disillusioned easily. And you would think maybe it's just easier to go to work, you know, get a paycheck, come back home, raise your family, have some bread. But I think there's a... There's a bit more to life than just, you know, living a daily life and raising a family, which is a very noble undertaking. But there's, a, there's something within us that is awaiting. I don't know if it's an Arabian horse, you know, lying down within us, but there's a, there's a seed, a seed that needs to be nurtured. A seed that needs to be spelunked in a sense. And that's the purpose again of my show, to encourage you to go within as much and as, as much as you can, as much as you want. It's a very beautiful it's a very beautiful place to be. It's a very beautiful land to explore. And I cannot tell you what you will find, because only you are in a sense the master of your destiny. What I can say is that the more people do this kind of spelunking, this kind of um, experimenting and, and walking on the path, the better off humanity will be. The more awake uh, humanity will be and the more all of us will benefit from, from this engulfing um, effort. I don't know exactly what word to choose at this level. But I think it's something that engulfs us, you know, takes us and, and, and burns from within and then expresses out uh, into the universe. And I think it goes back, in a nutshell, to the reason why we were born, to the reason why we came to this earth in this age at this very moment. So again, I would encourage you to look within and to explore what's there. Thank you very much. I wish you uh, a wonderful week and I will see you in a different land next week. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us on Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. 
Your personal journey, assisted by your guide and companion, Giel Asselin, will continue next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be sure to tune in again. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.